0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert
1: Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. This show, I continue my in-depth look at the Texans draft pick. So far, I brought in journalists who covered first round pick Titus Howard, second round pick Lonnie Johnson Jr., third round pick Kyhale Waring, and seventh round pick Cullen Galaspia Go back into the archives to find those uh, podcasts. Also, uh, just... A couple of picks left to look at. So in this one, hey, let's bring back a friend of the show and our Texas Longhorns insider, Bob Ballou. He covers UT for CBS Austin, which means he's had an up-close view of Texans' fifth-round pick, Charles Amenahu. And, Bob, am I saying that right? Is it Amenahu? Is that how you say it?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's a uh, very confusing. There was a lot of controversy. No, not really. It's yeah, it is a Yeah,
1: the Texans with uh, a few picks that have been a little bit more tricky. There's not a lot of Smiths and Jones in the Texans draft picks this year. (laughs) Uh, He's the uh, fifth Longhorn drafted by the Texans. And I'd say while we're hopeful on Deontay Foreman, it's been a nondescript list. Unless you're a fan of Sloan Thomas, Casey Stuttered or Frank Ocam. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you know, stuttered I mean, he's still an awesome, he's he's an amazing person and still doing great things. Ocam went into coaching. Uh, Sloan did a bunch of stuff at UTSA for for a long time. And three great guys, uh, you know, didn't pan out as NFL superstars. But, um, you know, certainly, like you said, the hope with Deontay Foreman is he can continue to develop. And the biggest thing, obviously, with him is staying healthy. I mean, when, when he tore his Achilles two years ago, I, th- I think that was just such a blow. And he never really recovered all the way last year uh, to, to make any kind of impact. So I know he's hopeful this can be a, uh, a big offseason for him and he can really make a statement that he can be one of those big running backs. And obviously, you know, getting a guy like Charles Amenehu, we'll see what, what he becomes. I, I think the interesting thing about Charles, there, there's so many facets to him. Um, but I think first and foremost, you know, in the weeks leading up to the draft, even the months leading up to it, there, there was a lot of talk. Could he slide into the first round? This, this became a question. Is there any possibility he could he could make that jump because he's made such a leap by the end of it they said basically he'd be a third maybe early fourth round pick and he slid all the way to the fifth round so uh, obviously there are some questions about him there's some teams that probably had to fill a need or or felt like they had some some better options for their team but I think Houston um if you're looking at a fifth round pick, I think they got a you know a really good player in Charles and we'll see where he goes from here
1: yeah you mentioned it he he kind of uh moved up the uh Dropboard, people's attention were sort of grabbed at the senior bowl. But, Bob, what I've read uh, more than anything is this is a kid that's really worked hard and reshaped his body the last couple of years and made himself into a guy that has got people's attention.
0: I don't think there's any doubt that the work he has put in is, you know, it's, it's beyond what a lot of people do. Three years ago, his sophomore year, he, he, he you know played a little bit his freshman year, played his sophomore year and, and just wasn't I think the impact player on a consistent level that that Texas had hoped And when he went into his junior year he had a he had a fine year. he, he played every game, I think he started 12 of the 13 games that year and had a few sacks and he, he was okay. You saw the potential, obviously his body his his big old body and, and the way he moves um, with that six six frame you saw the potential, but you never saw him play on a consistent basis uh, well. And I, I think the Missouri game, uh, you know, down there in Houston at the Texas Bowl, he had a sack and a forced fumble and, and played pretty well. I, I think that kind of was a was a nice – it was a springboard for the program. It was certainly, you know, something like that for him as well. What I think is interesting, though, is there were so many guys after that Texas Bowl win, Tom Herman's first year at Texas – um, there were some guys that were outspoken about their their dislike for what Tom was doing with the program, you know namely Connor Williams up with the cowboys. and Charles was a guy that could have left to go pro. There were a lot of guys that did it that year and Charles decided to stay uh, decided to return to to get his degree but but he also returned because he knew he had work to do to become a much better player. And his senior year, he was great. I mean, he was the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year, even got some votes for Defensive Player of the Year, had uh, 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. He was just really good, and he did it on a consistent basis. And He was kind of the anchor for that defensive line, along with Chris Nelson in the middle. But but on the outside, I mean, Charles was just great. And to see the the work he put in to make himself great was one thing, But then to do it on a consistent basis, then do it against Georgia, then do it in the senior bowl, then do it at the NFL Draft Combine. I mean, he's really, really made a name for himself across the board, I think, with NFL scouts. And there's a real opportunity for him now in Houston to kind of showcase who he is, who he can become. and, and, And he will continue. I think he's a guy that you'll really see continue to put that work in and be a guy that, you know, even if this doesn't work out, he will give everything that he has to make sure you know, he, he has an opportunity to be a, a great NFL player in Houston.
1: There's a buzzword that the Texans like to use. Uh, versatility is huge for the Texans these days. And the big thing with uh, Charles is – what you hear about him, Bob, and you watched him, you can move him all over the defensive line. He's not a one spot. You put him this spot, this spot. You got to leave him there.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's become more versatile, I think. But that's something that, that needs to get better. I think there are a lot of things that you can look at with him and say, you know, where, where does he need to get better? He needs to... Uh, you know, he, he can be a little rigid at times, but the things that when you see those things and you, uh, you know, you go through NFL draft previews and you find all these things that guys say about him, yes, he needs to work on those things and he'd be the first one to tell you, you know, I need to be better with my change of direction. You know, I need to be more consistent, uh, body control, using my hands better. I think all those things are things that he would, he would begin to tell you, yeah, I need to get better at all that. But, but that's what his... That's what his goal is. I mean, he wants to be better at all that stuff. He wants to be an elite pass rusher in the NFL. And and so that's what I think will be interesting with him is he's a guy that you really want to see where he develops the most because of what he's done to get from his sophomore year to junior year to senior year, the improvement that we've seen. I just I think that's the that's for people that have covered him. And he was, you know, great to us, was very engaging in his interviews um, was willing to give opinions, which a lot of times, you know, in college programs they try to uh they, they try to, you know, keep guys a little more mum now than they used to. Um he was a guy that was, you know, very willing to speak out about issues, you know, whether it was something small like the Kyler Murray beef with Sam Ellinger and that kind of stuff. I mean he he's he's a he's a very genuine person, someone that I think down the stretch of his senior year really began to appreciate what he has and what he can become.
1: It's interesting that you say that, you know, he needs to get a little bit uh, less stiff, and uh, some of the guys that were at the Texans rookie mini camp said, "Yeah, he he's, he needs to be a little bit more bendy. I guess that's something that yeah. that he can work on." And, and you talk about his, his personal story and what kind of person he is, and you know that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because for those who don't know his backstory, it's kind of interesting. Even though he went to high school in the Dallas area, his parents immigrated from Nigeria. They moved to Houston. So he is a native Houstonian, although he left here, I think, when he was one years old. And then, Bob, he, he, he kind of carries a former teammate with him everywhere he goes. It's a tragedy that's really pushed him. And for those who don't know, Newton Anante, who played at Rowlett High School with him, died at 19 years old. He was leaning to play at Baylor uh, at the time when doctors discovered a heart defect. That's what uh, ended up killing him. And if you go to Charles's Twitter profile and look at his description— it says R.I.P. Newt. I mean, this is a very thoughtful guy. It's a guy, Bob, that uh, you you feel like th- there's a lot more going on with him than just football. And 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 he graduated as well.
0: But that's how he thrives. I mean, he thrives on you know he had like you mentioned Newt. He had a he had a sack against USC and put three fingers in the air um, to represent Newt's number. I mean, there he carries that stuff with him. He carries uh, all those kind of things with him. He you know the the Kyler Murray thing going into that. Oklahoma game, he had something planned out where, you know, if he got to him and got a sack of any kind, he was going to swing a baseball bat. And he got the sack and he swung the baseball bat. Those are the things that I think it's neat to see Charles kind of do. Uh, you know, he he really thrives on if there's something going on, I can I can play off it and, and play better for it. But you also saw the motivation in himself just to become a really good player and an NFL player. And I think that's what kind of carried him more than anything through his senior year at Texas was he knew he had to be more consistent and he has great explosion off the ball and he's a guy that I think I, I really do think he's going to be a successful NFL player and, and maybe that's just because I'm a little close to the situation um, but I just to see his progress over the last two years and what he's become I, I think it's a great opportunity to see a guy um, that's maybe a later round draft pick that people are going to go man maybe we should have drafted him a little earlier.
1: Also interesting that even though he says he patterns his game after Joey Bosa, he was such a fan of Jadavian Clowney. He wore number seven in high school, number 90 at Texas. So that's something that uh, might help him with Clowney if Clowney sticks around that uh, maybe they could develop a sort of mentor teacher or mentor student type of relationship. Uh, his hype music before games, the rappers Gunna and Young Dolph. I know, Bob. That's what you usually
0: listen to before you go on the air. Of course, right? of course. Every time I go on the air, that's that's exactly what I listen to. But I, but I do think that is something that is that's big for Charles. You know, you obviously want to get someone that that is a uh, you know a guy that can help you develop as a person, help you develop as a player, especially when you love someone that much and you you kind of grow up admiring him. That's the hope is that, you know, I can I can really pick his brain, look at, you know, who he who he is, how, what's made him a good NFL player and how I can learn from him. And, you know, I think a lot of guys love Jadeveon just based on the shot that, that he took against the Michigan running back uh, back in the South Carolina bowl game. A lot of those guys saw that when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. And so they had the opportunity to, to kind of start loving him based on that. And then obviously he was such a freak athlete. And I think that's what a lot of those guys, you know, can can kind of base around and want to become.
1: It's going to be interesting. He's he's kind of the the player that you felt like uh, this isn't a, a super need for the Texans, but yet he's the guy that maybe was supposed to go a little bit earlier in the draft more than any of the Texans players that maybe they got a, maybe a steal in the fifth round. Uh, while I got you though, uh, Bob, what's the latest on, on Tom Herman's team going forward? Uh, Has it been a good off season?
0: Sure. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously the Georgia win was the, uh, was the, was the big one when you're nine and four and you're playing in a, in a new year's six game. uh, That's a big deal for, for taking steps as a program in the first place, but then to go out and just really dominate Georgia from the word go and. And people can say, well, Georgia didn't want to be there. Well, Georgia had something to prove too, that they should have been in the playoff, and you can you can go about that a lot of different ways. The way I look at it is Texas dominated a big time SEC opponent with their style of play, uh, the physical nature that, that Texas put forward. And I think even the Georgia players were a little surprised at how physical Texas was, and that's something Tom Herman really wants. Now, you know, there there are a lot of question marks going into next year, and, and I think Texas fans are they're not even cautiously optimistic anymore. They're just totally optimistic. I'm, I'm taking a more reserved approach with what the 2019 Texas Longhorns will be, in part because, first of all, you lose eight starters on defense. And I know that there are there's a ton of talent in this program. Tom Herman's done a great job recruiting. Um, they've got some great players, but sometimes that's got to develop and it's, you've got to have the chemistry and you've got to play well um, and grow up quickly. And that's not to say they won't. It's just to say there, there are some reservations that I have that this team is going to be you know, a, a top five team, top 10 team right off the bat. They host LSU early, and, and that'll be a, sh- a huge test. But when you lose eight starters on defense, especially a lot of guys that are seniors that are, you know, kind of the the core of your program and what Todd Orlando built his defense around, you've got to make a lot of adjustments. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see who those guys are that step in. The second thing is, and you, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, number one, Lil Jordan Humphrey decided to turn pro as a junior, uh, went undrafted. The Saints picked him up, but um, he was the out on offense. Anytime Texas needed anything, uh, Sam Ellinger could throw it to, to LJ and he'd make a play. You've got to find that now. Uh, is that, you know, Colin Johnson on the outside? You know, LJ playing in the slot a lot can, can go different directions. Colin was more on the outside. You know, is Colin Johnson that guy that can get you the first down when you have to have it? Uh, if you just throw it up to him, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Is Bruce McCoy that guy? He's got to become eligible first, uh, you know, and, and is a true freshman the guy you're going to rely on for that. I mean, Bruce looks like he's going to be a spectacular talent, but you've got to see it on the field. The offensive line depth isn't great. And then really the, the, the third thing that I keep pointing to the quarterback situation. I mean, yes, Sam Ellinger is is great and, and had a great sophomore year and was terrific. He also got hurt in two games and Shane Buchel was there to step in and, and kind of save Texas in those moments and do enough offensively to to you know move the chains and and score here and there. He wasn't he wasn't great. They didn't put up 50 when he came in the game, but they did enough to win both the Baylor and the Iowa State game. If Sam Ellinger goes down, Casey Thompson's never taken a snap in college football. And so now you're putting a freshman in the game that has that has never done anything on the college level. I I just think those are the three biggest questions facing Texas and I think it gives those three things are enough to give you a little pause and say, you know, what's what's the answer? And maybe they decide to, to keep Sam in the pocket a little more, but that's just not his game. I mean, he needs to be able to run and scramble, and if he's going to stay healthy, not take a ton of hits. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but but that would be my reservation looking at, at Texas and, and Tom Herman's program moving forward. I think Tom's done a terrific job, obviously. I mean, they, he's doing, uh, you know, amazing things in recruiting. He's, you know, reinventing a lot of things. But remember, Mac would win, you know, he won nine his first year, nine his second year. And then they didn't they didn't really explode into a national power for another. I mean, what was it? Till 2004 until they were, uh, you know, in, in my mind, at least until that, you know, they went to the Rose Bowl that year uh, and, and beat Michigan. So sometimes it takes time to develop a program and especially when you lose a lot of seniors. And that's why I have, I think, more reservations than a lot of people do. And I'm picking them to win less than 10 games which is not an unsuccessful season. If you win nine games, that's still going to be a success. But I think that's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a real challenge this year to even to get, to get back to the big 12 championship game.
1: Let's go from the oblong ball to the round ball. What's the very minimum Shaka smart has to do to keep his job next year?
0: I mean, you know, it's kind of, somebody asked me that about Jason Garrett the other day. And I said, it all depends on how it goes down. I mean, if if they have a rough start like they did this year and they're three and five and then they roll off eight straight and now you're in the divisional you know, champion in the NFC championship game. You know, I, I I think there are some interesting thoughts on that in terms of Shaka. Again, I think they just need to take a a much bigger step. I mean, you know, is what if they're, what if they're in the regular season and they win 20 games, they go 20 and 13 and then he wins three games in the NCAA tournament makes a run to the elite eight. You know, that's a different deal. What if he goes 26 and five and loses in the second round? I think it's all about the development of the program um, what you like, what you don't like. And and then you move on from there. I, you know, whatever would have happened or could have happened after this year. Um, if Texas doesn't make the run, the deep run in the NIT, if Texas tech doesn't make the run to the national championship game, would, would Chris Beard be here? I don't know. i I, maybe, maybe not. Um, they, you know, they would have had to pay Shaka a lot of money for him to leave and then to go get Chris Beard and then pay Chris Beard a contract. I mean, there were a lot of, there was a lot of talk about that, but that's, $20 20 million dollars to pay to just make that happen in the first place. So when when Texas made that run, I think I think there's a big frustration. I've, I've defended Shaka Smart in a lot of ways. I think this year was a little more was a little different. I don't think that you could defend him as much. But you think about his his career at Texas. I mean, his first year. They won 20 games. They had seven seniors. They lost on a, a miracle half-court shot by Northern Iowa, you know, in the NCAA tournament his first year. His second year, they're they're making a lot of progress, or they they took a step back where they went 11 and 22. They had Jared Allen, who was a you know a raw talent, but not a guy that was going to make a Zion Williamson type impact in in the league or in the uh, in college basketball. And Tevin Mack was his leading scorer. He dismissed him halfway through the year. It just wasn't. I mean, they just didn't have the pieces in the program after losing all those seniors. And then his third year, they start really strong. They're very competitive with Gonzaga and Duke have opportunity to beat both those teams. And then Andrew Jones gets leukemia and comes down with leukemia and they, and they go through that whole process. And I mean, there was something in each of those first three years that I think you could say, okay, cut this guy a little bit of slack. I mean, these things have happened. Last year was the year that I think everybody thought, okay, they've got to make a real jump and they didn't. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration came in there. There were some things exposed there. So um, you know, his fifth year is, is obviously, I mean, it's, it's obviously huge in the sense that, you know, he's, he's a, been a 500 coach, uh, except for this run in the NIT, they were a 500 coach when the, when the season ended, I think he was 67 and 67 or 66 and 66, something like that. So now they've got to take a step next year. And you look across the board at what Chris Del done at Texas. I mean, th- this is, you know, since in pretty much everything he's touched, turned to gold immediately, and then there's been a little bit of, of, you know, things have slowed down a little bit. I mean, the baseball team was not good this year. Um, they started 12 and three and, and finished 5, 27 and 27, which was just an unbelievable uh, deterioration. And David Pierce said that he's going to make changes. There's going to be a lot of evaluating. They've got to figure things out. But look at, you know, Crystal Conte hires Mike White. The softball team beats Houston in the NCAA regional twice yesterday or twice on uh, Sunday. They move on to the super regional. The Texas men's tennis team just won the national championship after Michael Center went through the whole college admission scandal. Uh, midway through the season, they're 14-1. and one. They lose their head coach. They still go on to win the national championship. The men's golf team is in the national championships starting Friday. The women's golf team is, is uh, making a run at the NCAA championships currently. So, I mean, you, you see all the programs doing great things, but you need your football and basketball and baseball programs to be uh, elite, and you know the football program won ten games last year. The basketball program hasn't gotten there. The baseball team went to Omaha last year. The women's basketball team has been good but not great. And uh, Karen Aston really wants to take that step, but she's also in a league with the best, you know, one of the probably two or three best coaches in women's college basketball, and Kim Mulkey. And Baylor just won the national championship. So there, there are a lot of things that are good in the Texas program, and they've become great uh, because of you know the job Chris Conte and his staff are doing um, you know, as athletic director.
1: Yeah. We could talk about athletic directors and how they're doing and their coaches and, you know, their approval rating of all these, but Bob, there's, there's one guy that's got a hundred percent approval rating. He's the honorary. I don't know if he's the honorary Prince of Longhorn nation, the honorary King, (laughs) he's the honorary marketing director, but, all right, all right, all right. I mean, Matthew McConaughey this weekend, did you see this? He was a commencing speaker at his high school graduation in Longview. Grabbed his original high school diploma. I guess he just taken off without it 30 years ago. He just left the school and like, oh, uh, but forget the uh, diploma. I'm off. I'm out of here.
0: Wow. No, I, I had not seen that, but nothing surprises me anymore with him. He is the, you know, they named him the minister of culture for the texas basketball program um and when they open up that new arena after next year i think uh i'm sure there'll be some incredible stuff they do with that but yeah he's uh that's really fun i didn't know he 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 got his original high school diploma that's pretty funny
1: yeah i kind of want to rattle off a a a quote from dazed and confused about high school girls but uh i don't know if it's going to work in the me too movement so i'll I'll move on from that we'll avoid
0: we'll avoid that yeah (laughs) we'll avoid that we'll step aside on that one
1: (laughs) Did you uh, have a chance, or have you had a chance to, to go out and see much at, at Round Rock of Jordan Alvarez just punishing baseballs?
0: No, I haven't. They've been great. Obviously, they lost to the number one team in the country at Cy Fair. I, I,
1: I'm talking about the I'm talking about the Express, the Astros.
0: Affiliate. Oh, the Express, the the Express. My apologies. I had Round Rock High School. We've got high school baseball going on, so I've still got that in my head. Yeah, Jordan Alvarez is. Uh, He's something different. 18 home runs in 39 games. Absolutely uh, punishing. Like you said, punishing the baseball. He is uh, he's a different thing. And, and people want to know well, when are the Astros going to call him up? Well, there are a couple problems to that. Number one, the Astros have the best record in baseball, so they're probably not in a huge hurry uh, to get him up there. But more importantly, their outfield's doing pretty well. I know George Springer went down a little bit of a back issue, but but they've got a pretty good outfield to start. So yes, Jordan is killing the baseball. And I mean, this'll tell you how good he is. He went one for three yesterday and that dropped his average to four eleven. When a guy's hitting like that, you really do want to bring him up and have him make an impact. But but the Astros have been pretty good about calling up people at the right time and doing the right things. So um, we'll 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 see if he, you know, when he comes up. I, I would imagine he will be up if he continues to do this, especially. I would imagine he'll be up fairly soon, but, um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's been great and Kyle Tucker has been very good too. And I know he's a guy that, um, is, is one of those top prospects for the, for the club. And he gets overshadowed obviously by what Jordan's doing. Um, but, but he could be a key factor in a lot of different ways. He could be a guy that comes up and, and, uh, and makes an impact for the Astros. He could be a key trade piece. If there's somebody that they want to go get guys like that, that are, that are good prospects. You've got to take advantage of them while they're, while they're hot. And that's either bringing them up and letting them play well, or, or, getting something for them. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what you know where that goes. But I think all of us have, have loved getting an opportunity to see Jordan here in Round Rock.
1: Yeah, and, and according to Jeff Luno, and they haven't changed it on any of the... I'm looking at stats and baseball uh, reference and all that. They haven't changed it, but Jeff Luno says he wants to be called Jordan. So I have been calling him Jordan because I take it from the GM of the Astros. If he says that that's the case... I'm not quite as sold on Kyle Tucker as a lot of people are. Uh, So I don't know about, I don't know about Tucker, but you know, they love him. The Astros, like you said, uh, they're, they're high on him. I, I think a lot of the, the baseball America and those types like him, he got off to a really slow start, but he's starting to play like he has over the last few years in the minors. And, uh, Bob, the, the other thing with, you know, the outfield situation, not good with the Astros, but Tyler White, who has been playing sort of DH first base, if there's if there's a way to get Alvarez to the big leagues he's Tyler White. And I don't know how much longer the Astros are going to stick with him because uh, I don't know if you can deal him because it's tough to deal a guy that just plays first base and DH. I don't know if other teams would be interested in dealing with them if you're going to get anything back. So they might. It might be a a point sometime this year where they just let him go so they can bring up Alvarez because unfortunately Tyler White's out of options, uh, Tony Kemp's out of options. They've got they've got some guys that maybe he would naturally come up for that are out of options. Which uh, you know we talked about I think before the season started, but just to remind people about those two situations. But what what's the general thought uh, for the Austin area that? the round rock is now the Astros. Is there an excitement that's different?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they love it. I mean, I think it's something that, um, you know, they were the Astros uh, for four years. They, they went to the, to the Rangers um, as uh, you know, Nolan Ryan was a part of it. They moved it over. Then Nolan went to the Astros and they moved it back. And I, you know, obviously reads they're doing a tremendous job. Um, the, the part of the co-founder of, of the round rock express. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they, everybody loves it. I mean, that you know, it was it was a neat thing with the Rangers because the Rangers were really good for, for those, you know, the early part of the 2010, 11, 12, you know, that that range. They, they were winning AL West titles. Josh Hamilton would make rehab starts down here. Um, they you know, it was a really good uh, it worked really well. Now that it's the Astros, it's kind of the same thing, where it's like the Astros are really good. It's good to see some great baseball back in Round Rock because the Rangers have struggled the last few years. It's funny you said that about Jordan Alvarez. I did not know that, so that's that's why you, when you said that, I went to Round Rock Baseball, I assume. 18 home runs, 55 RBIs, hitting 411 for him. Um, people have loved that. But then all these other guys that that figure into the to the future of, of Houston Astros baseball, obviously you mentioned Kyle Tucker, Derek Fisher, A.J. Reed. Uh, you know, Nick Tantalou, there, there are a lot of guys that Miles Straw that, that in camp had you know played well. Obviously, they're not going to beat out the Springers and Creas and Altuves and those guys. But but those guys played well. Now it's seeing what they can do. I think Kyle Tucker has 11 home runs down here this year. Derek Fisher's hitting last check. I think it was around 330. Miles Straw was hitting above 300. These guys are in a really good spot. And it's good for the fans, I think, more than anything to see really good baseball again. Because you know, I, I, when you have conversations with minor league people, they'll tell you so much of going to a minor league baseball game is about the experience and taking your kids out there and going to playing all the games they have around the thing and whatever. But when if you get beat 16 to one every night, that's going to turn people off. If you're losing games 4-3, it's competitive, whatever. You're winning games, that's all fine. But when you're getting absolutely obliterated, that's when it becomes a problem. And so I think that's the great part of having the Astros back here is there's so much talent. And so many opportunities for these guys to become really good. I think one of the big names in Astros camp this year was Forrest Whitley, and he's really struggled uh, to get off to a good start this year. So we'll see where you know where his development comes. That's probably the one pitcher that I think everyone was super excited to see here, and it just hasn't it hadn't it hadn't hit him yet. Um it will. He's 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 obviously really young and a really good pitcher, but it's seeing all these prospects here, and that's really making the fans excited.
1: Bob, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for me. I would love one of those either retro round rock uh, Astros jerseys that they they're putting out this year or that sweet baseball cap with the uh, it's a tribute to Nolan. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They've got, they do amazing things uh, with the, I mean, the express are just first class top notch all the way around. And, and they have a lot of you know promotional nights where they have different jerseys. They rename the team, all that kind of stuff. But there have been some, a lot of people have asked about those jerseys and the hats and everything that they've done to uh, change things and make it make it different. You can pre-order that rainbow, you know, hat, the Nolan side of it. I think it's around forty, forty-five dollars. That jersey you're talking about is ninety. Uh, so if I'm going to buy you a Christmas present, that'd be the one to get you because that thing that thing is really cool and they've done a great job with the throwback Astro uniform, combining it in with the Express.
1: Minor league Jersey going for $90, man.
0: Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But you already want, you were already talking about it. I mean, that's how, that's how you know. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's in a good spot. Oh
1: yeah. No, that thing went viral as soon as they put it out in the Houston area. I think people noticed it and um, they, I mean, anything that incorporates the rainbow, I mean, that's, everybody's all aboard on with that here. Absolutely. You have to be. Well, it's, uh, it's Bob Baloo sports on Twitter. If anybody wants to, uh, if you're, want to follow Bob and keep up with everything that's going on with the horns and the express or whatever's going on in the Austin area. Always fun to do this. And uh, we're, we're, we're penciling it in Charles Amani, NFL hall of
0: famer, right? NFL hall of famer. No doubt. No, I, I, we, we could joke about that, but I do, I really do think he's going to have a successful NFL career. I just think he, he works too hard and he's too talented not to.
1: We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Sounds good.